Well, hello, church family. Pastor Scott here again with Pastor Kevin as we break down this past Sunday's sermon on dueling kingdoms from uh, Genesis chapter 11 and the Tower of Babel. So very, very helpful sermon, one that's filled with a lot of insight that perhaps most of our congregation is not... Uh, really thought of before, but uh, very thankful for uh, your study, Pastor Kevin, and uh, just the unique perspective that it brought to the Tower of Babel. And, you know, we were just discussing here a little bit ago about it's kind of interesting that this is associated with children's stories. Um, you know, and you go to any popular children's devotional book or Jesus storybook Bible, this one always appears. And it's much shorter than most of the other stories that we see in the Bible. So why is it that we often see this tied in with popular children's stories in the Old Testament? No sé. Hablo, hablo no español. <laughs> no. No, it's a great great question, right? Because uh, I think part of it's just the intrigue of a tall tower. It, certainly, it's historically significant because of the uh, history of how nations and languages came into be. I mean, this is a, a, a very significant account, a, a real mm -hmm. turning point in history. Um, so yeah, I think there's some intrigue there, and and then, but I think the, the sin is is spectacular. You know, the the not only the sin of pride, but the sin of disobedience that that God had commanded them to disperse over the, all the earth and fill the earth, and instead they were clustering. So um, yeah, it's, it has all the good makings for a children's story for sure, because it's spectacular sin, amazing mercy of God, historically significant. Um, and you got a tall tower in the midst of it, yeah. so yeah, it gives us an excuse to build tall Lego towers in Sunday school. <laughs> Object class, lessons so. are very helpful. Yeah, this one's <laughs> this is maybe one of the easier ones to do that for, so makes sense. Now, in this story, you drew out on Sunday that there are three significant "come let us" statements that uh, kind of unfold in this story twice being mentioned by uh, the people of the city yep. and then the third time by God himself. Very interesting that God uses that language come let us and so I thought you could maybe explain a little bit what's maybe going on there and then help us understand what's, what is the significance of all these come let us statements in the story. Why is the uh, author kind of really drawing us to these statements? Yeah, so um, first of all the divine plural, you see this not only in verse 7 of chapter 11, come let us, in reference to God, where, you know, Deuteronomy 6 is very clear, there's only one God, one Lord, mm -hmm. but here he's using the plural to reference himself. You see the same thing in chapter 1, when God says, let us make man in our image. And so you see that uh, God is referring to himself in the plural, which is a hint, at mm -hmm. least a hint of the Trinity, this this mm -hmm. glorious truth, this mystery of Scripture that God is one and yet He exists in three persons. And we have the person of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit all together eternally coexisting without doing violence to their own personhood and yet still as one 
being. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a mystery, but certainly a mystery that the scriptures help us to reveal. So this is interesting, right? That it, all the way in the first 11 chapters of Genesis, we see these multiple examples of God referring to himself in the plural, mm-hmm. uh, which is a hint at the glorious doctrine of the Trinity. Your second part of the question was, when you think about verse 3 and verse 4, you see these come let us, you see man inviting men to join them. Mm-hmm. Come, let us build, let, mm-hmm. us, let us make a name for ourselves, right? In verse 7, you see God inviting God mm-hmm. to... Let's go down. Let's 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 see. Let's get a closer look at this. And it's very, um, it's language that defines God from the perspective of human terms. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's God could see from heaven. It's not yeah. that God didn't know what was happening, mm-hmm. but it's very ironically worded and kind of mm-hmm. almost with the holy satire. It's like, well, let's go down mm-hmm. and lower ourselves to the point where we can see this pitiful magic mm-hmm. thing that they think is so important and so big. But I, I, I like if you think, okay, man is inviting man to join them in false worship. Then God is inviting God to come down and bring mercy and engage with people's sin with mercy. And then the verses that I shared at the end of the sermon from Isaiah chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 11 and Revelation chapter 22 mm-hmm. are these invitations from God to man mm-hmm. to say, come. Let us reason together. Though your sins are as scarlet, they can be as white as snow. Oh, come, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Mm -hmm. Come, find rest for your soul. The spirit and the bride say, come, find thirst for your soul. Satisfy the thirst of your soul in the waters of Jesus. And so I think it's just fascinating to think of these uh, invitations Mm -hmm. that we see laid out with this text. Yeah, his his mercy in the story is in the restraining of sin, but then in the unfolding of Scripture, you see that these invitations become his mercy being offered, invited yes. to his people uh, constantly throughout. So that's a really unique uh, thing. And I don't know how many times we sang in the, the songs yesterday, too, with these invitations of come, right? Yes. Uh, come come let, us let us adore him. Adore yeah. him yeah. and behold him. And so, I mean, just what a what a picturesque uh, day so kind of as we thought about that so man Babel there's a lot of interesting history behind Babel you know this 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 was only the beginning of what would become the kingdom of Babylon right so maybe just help us maybe unpack what are some of the historical significance of this tower and this this city that was built and how that unfolds in the rest of scripture for us it is interesting to recognize that Nimrod is responsible for really establishing the the kingdoms of Babylon and the kingdoms of Assyria mm-hmm. both of which are going to be significant players on God's stage to be enemies of God's people and bring them into judgment Mm -hmm. in exile, in the Assyrian uh, exile and the Babylonian exile um, in in later history. So it is fascinating to understand some of the historical significance of this. Uh, All throughout scripture you see Babylon being this picture of pride and evil and particularly false religion. In fact, uh, we don't have time in this episode, but I would encourage our listeners to go and read 
Revelation chapter 17 and 18. Mm. These are two chapters that are all about God's judgment on Babylon at the end of time. Mm -hmm. And Babylon in these two chapters is pictured as this epicenter of false worship, this epicenter of sexual immorality, this center of pride and wickedness and idolatry that God does judge and he judges it with finality in the end. And so uh, really in the first 11 chapters of the Bible, you have just an amazing I don't know what, what word to use, hint or a foretaste or kind of this 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 taste of everything that's going to come later in Scripture. Mm-hmm. All of the rest of the Scripture in many ways mm-hmm. is kind of building off of this foundation that's mm-hmm. established right here in the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Yeah, it's not an exaggeration to say that Genesis 1 to 11 is foundational to the rest of Scripture. It's I mean, so it, true. Is, it is the opening pages, but it is everything really unfolds from there. And even... Even Genesis chapter 12, right, as you get into that uh, promise that's made to Abraham of Israel's history, right? That yeah. He's, he's going to make a... Make a name. Uh, yeah, and make a And they were trying to make a name for land. themselves. The guy's like, here's how you're going to get your name. I'm going to give it yeah. to you. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> promise of a people, of a, of a land, of, of blessing to yes. all nations. And that really unfolds in the rest of Scripture itself. So... Never, never underestimate the opening chapters of the Bible, Church. This is there is so much richness here, and we're only scratching the surface yes. of it for you here. But as we think about the beginnings of the Bible, you hinted at uh, the end of the Bible. Uh, we talked here a lot about the the scrambling of languages, and you know, at one it began with everybody having one tongue, one language, being able to understand each other, then turned into chaos and confusion, and then we know in the end of scripture as you hinted at on yeah. Sunday that you know there's going to be a day when we're rejoicing in heaven with every you know tribe tongue and nation singing yes. and praises singing praises to God and there's just there's so much that could be unpacked there but I think you in particular have a, a thought in mind as to where we see some significance with uh right after Christ uh, dies and is resurrected and ascends again, there's another significant moment in human history as it relates to languages. Could you unpack that maybe a little bit? So Acts chapter Mm 2. Acts chapter 2 is the story of Pentecost. This is 50 days after the uh, death of Christ. And... um, Let me just read for a little bit. Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost had arrived. They were all together. All the believers were together in one place. Uh, Now, think of of the parallels for a minute with me from Genesis uh, Genesis 11. Mm -hmm. They were all in one place. They were all in the land of Shinar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Shinar. Here they're, they're all in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. It divided tongues as a fire appeared to them, rested on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And and so much so that there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Mm -hmm. And at this sound, the multitude came together. They were bewildered because each one was hearing these worshiping Jews speak in his Mm -hmm. own language. 
Each one was hearing them in his own language. They were astonished. They were amazed. And they said, are they not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we each hear them in our own native language? And then verses 9 and 10 mm -hmm. go on and name the languages. Mm -hmm. And notice they're all Gentile languages. Mm -hmm. These are the languages of the Gentile nations. And, and so we know, by the way, that this, this tongues that they were experiencing in Acts chapter 2 was not a static prayer babblings. Mm -hmm. This was not some undiscernible, unknown, heavenly prayer language. Mm -hmm. This was the language of the Gentile nations. Now, yeah. what happens in Genesis 11? In Genesis 11, God mercifully, severely uh, <laughs> disperses his people by confusing their language. Mm -hmm. So he gives them different languages, which then naturally creates different tribes, different clans, different nations, which move and spread out and fill the earth. Mm -hmm. What does he do at Pentecost? Mm -hmm. You have one people, a redeemed people, mm -hmm. the people who believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And these people are scared. What do these people want to do? They want security. They want to stay together. And so what does God do? In Acts chapter 2, His Spirit comes and gives them a supernatural ability in a way that's a mystery to us. And they start to proclaim the gospel mm -hmm. in other languages so that all these Gentile nations of the world will have a clear witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. so that they can take it back home to their nation mm -hmm. and the gospel will not stay clustered in Jerusalem, but it will indeed scatter and fill mm -hmm. the earth. I think what God's doing here is he's showing that the spirit of the living God is able to even conquer this barrier of language. Mm -hmm. This language that is a judgment on our sin and our desire to just work together to defy God, language is a judgment against that. But you see that the Holy Spirit is what unites all languages together around the gospel so that in Revelation chapter 5 verses 9 to 10 all tribes, all tongues, all people will be surrounding the throne of Jesus and saying worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and honor and glory forever and ever and ever. Isn't that cool? Uh, that's, I mean, again, the the pictures and the parallels that you see in Scripture are are fascinating. And so, definitely worthy. I'm glad we had a few extra minutes to be able to unpack that for our people here because I think that is just so significant of God, again, another step of His mercy and grace intervening into human history to continue to use languages now for the good, right? Yes. For the good of people to actually fill the earth now with the good news of Christ. Oh, and so, so good. Only God could orchestrate and plan a rescue plan like that, right? <laughs> He's an amazing God of mercy. Now, I got to say this too, just for our listeners, mm -hmm. if you've endured through this podcast so far with us, <laughs> you get a bonus. Mm. So yesterday I taught in membership class, there you go. and I taught the last 30 minutes of our class was all about how do we understand speaking in tongues? How do we understand that from the scriptures? That's a bonus session. If you go to our website and go to resources, click on the membership class, you can listen to the last 30 minutes and get some uh, really sweet, amazing teaching. Oh yeah, whatever. But you can, you can get some help biblically on how we think through speaking in tongues in light of languages in the world. And that bonus prize is free, just for you who are listening, right? <laughs> just no for the one two else. of you that listen. <laughs> well, 
Pastor Kevin, thanks again for providing some extra insight uh, from Sunday's sermon. We're looking forward to this coming Sunday already yes. uh, as we get ready to look at uh, the story of Abraham and Isaac. Anything this is a terrifying you wanna, passage. You want to say, you want for us? This is a hard passage. Uh, <laughs> Genesis 22. Read it before you come. Pray up and show up and we're going to see what God does among us on Sunday. Alright, well we are looking forward to it and again, church, thank you so much for the opportunity to share this time together. We trust that it is encouraging and beneficial to you. Have a great day, and we'll see you again next week. God bless.